The fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. Mark Twain. Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where we seek to unravel the mysteries of personal finance. Join us as we help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle with certified financial planner, Dan Caprell. Hello and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle, where almost each and every month, that means sometimes I take a month off, we discuss matters of personal finance, things that many people find to be incredibly complicated, but when you break them down, they're actually quite simple. Of course, you have to accept the reality that the future is not predictable. And once you do that, it actually gets to be a lot more simple. Now, today's episode is all about death. Yes, I know it's not pleasant, I don't like thinking about it either, but it's one of those facts of life. And not that long ago, I was wandering through a bookstore in Franklin, Tennessee. If you've ever been there, by the way, or if you've never been there, great town to go visit. But I was wandering through a bookstore and I came across this book by the title of I'm Dead, Now What? So naturally, I had to buy it. And it's essentially an organizer. It allows you to list all the important things that your heirs need to know when you're no longer around to tell them. So you'd be happy to know that on our website, if you go to matsonandcapril.com and you click on podcasts, today's podcast is called I'm Dead, Now What? And if you go there, you'll be able to download a estate planning quick list, which is very much like the book that I spent a fair amount of money to get. It's quite comprehensive, and it will list all of the things that your heirs will need to know if, God forbid, something happens to you. Well, someday something will happen to you, and that's what today's show is all about. How do you make sure that your estate plan is in order? But before we do that, the disclaimer. I don't know you. Well, maybe I do know you, but there's an excellent chance I do not know you. Therefore, please, anything that you hear on this show, take it more as education, information. Do not take it as advice for yourself. You need to discuss this with your financial advisor. Now, if you would like for me to be your financial advisor, we can certainly discuss that. The easiest way to do that is to go to talk to dan.net that's talk to dan.net very simple and when you do that it will take you to my schedule and you can schedule a 15 minute call with me where we will discuss if you need my help a lot of you listeners have been doing that so i appreciate that and i think it's a very low-key non-threatening way to determine if you indeed need the help of a financial advisor but again Make sure that the information that I share with you, especially in today's program, that you talk about it with your proper advisor, especially your attorney. Chances are, if you've had children, you have some type of an estate plan. Well, I actually, I shouldn't say chances are because when I read about the statistics nationally, I still believe most people die what is called intestate, which means you don't have a will. And if you don't have any type of written estate plan, well, the good news 
Is that the state in which you reside? They've already written one for you. The bad news? The state in which you reside? Well, they have already written one for you. So if you were hoping to cut out one of your children, but you don't have an estate plan formally written, there's an excellent chance you will not cut out one of your children. And if you don't have children, well, then it's very possible that your siblings will receive your assets. So it's very important, no matter where you are in life, that you take some measure to not only indicate who gets what, but also to make sure that you determine who can make decisions when you are no longer capable. So today what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through my estate planning checklist. Now again, you can download a copy of this on our website. So again, mattsonandcapril.com. Go to today's podcast, which is called I'm Dead, Now What? And you will be able to get this checklist, which I think is an excellent tool to determine if you are doing all the right things. All right, so the first thing is, when was the last time you had your estate plan done? I tell you, I send more people to attorneys than their marketing could ever do. I'm like the greatest marketing arm for attorneys because it's one of the very first questions I'll ask somebody when we're working with them. And usually the answer is 25 years ago, 30 years ago. All right, so let's talk about the problems with that. A lot of things change over time. If you did an estate plan when your children were young, your primary concern probably was taking care of them because they were minors. So you needed to name a guardian for them and you needed to provide specific instructions as to how the money you were leaving them or you know, for their benefit would be managed and distributed to them. Well, if your children are now 25, 30, 35 years old, hopefully they are independent people. And legally, those provisions that you put in place will not apply because they are legal adults. So the question now is, should you change it? I mean, it's gonna be irrelevant, so you probably should. You may also have discovered that by the time your kids are 25, 30, 35, that they didn't all grow up to be the same kind of person. Some of your kids may have grown up to be incredibly independent. Others, not so much. Not being judgmental, but we've all read about the kids still living at home. My next door neighbors have four adults living in their house and they're not the owners. So you got mom and dad and four adults. <laughs> I don't know. It's a different time, I guess. But the point here, though, is that the state plan that was drawn up for those adult children was when they were kids. And now here they are, you know, age of majority. Is the estate plan going to be applicable? All right. So obviously you want to address it for that reason. If your children have married and you are concerned that maybe their spouse won't manage the money as well as your child will, well, that's another reason you would want to update your estate plan. If you suddenly have grandchildren and you didn't have grandchildren back when you originally drew up the estate plan and you want to make sure that the grandchildren are addressed, well, that's another reason to update the estate plan. I think the biggest reason though is because when we are younger and we're raising a family, we will typically name our spouse, if we're married, as the power of attorney. So if you become incapable of making your own financial decisions, then your spouse is legally allowed to make them for you. But as we get older, 
it's quite possible we will outlive our spouse. So have we named an appropriate backup to that person? And given the health of our spouse currently, maybe that spouse no longer is the right person. Maybe that spouse is no longer your spouse. Have you thought about that? You see, a lot of times our life changes and we forget to update our estate plan. I've read many articles about people who have gone through a divorce, remarried, never updated the estate plan, and when someone dies, the ex gets the money. It can happen. One of the reasons it happens is because your assets don't pass necessarily according to your will. In fact, more and more, I see that very little gets passed as a result of the will because today most people have their money tied up in what we call qualified accounts. These are accounts like IRAs, both Roth and traditional, 401k plans, or other employer plans. The money is in those plans and those plans have beneficiary designations. So your will could say, I wanna leave all my money to your son. So I wanna leave all my money to my son, but if my 401k plan, which let's say is all my money, except for what's in my bank account, if my 401k plan has a beneficiary designation and it still lists my ex-wife, which by the way, I'm being hypothetical because I don't have an ex-wife, <laughs> I'm happy to say, but if it did, guess what? My son would get nothing, nothing from the 401k. He might get what's in my bank accounts, maybe my real estate but the beneficiary designation overrules everything else. Not that long ago, I had the child of one of my clients call me. The client had recently passed and he sounded somewhat relieved because he said pretty much on his mother's deathbed, he was able to get her to make some significant changes that essentially disinherited one of his siblings. And he felt good about that. He felt that it was the right thing to do. The mother felt that was the right thing to do. And they did it through the mom's trust. Here's the problem. Most of the mother's money isn't gonna pass through the trust. She had a beneficiary designation that named both the son and daughter as equal heirs. So even though all this work had been done by an attorney, it did not apply. That's another reason why you should get your estate plan updated regularly. Don't wait until you're on the deathbed. So the first thing I wanna get into is this issue of should I have a will, should I have a trust? Well, if you have a trust, you probably also have a will anyway. But let's be clear about the purpose of a trust. The primary purpose of the trust is to pass assets to avoid probate. So if I have, say, a house, and it's titled in my name, then upon my death, if I don't have any named beneficiary associated with the house's title, that's called transfer on death, T-O-D, if I don't have a transfer on death completed prior to my death, then my will will determine who gets my property, including the house. Now, if the house was not owned by me, but was owned by my trust, 
Well, then the trust would determine who gets the house. And I obviously would have reached, I would have named that person. The will, in order to be enforced, must go through probate. And probate is a legal process whereby property is transferred to death. It can be slow and it can be expensive. And it's also public. So whatever goes through, it's a matter of public record. The trust, on the other hand, is private and it's immediate. Those assets pass immediately. There's no need for court supervision. So I think you can see where for a lot of families, it would make sense. However, you don't need a trust to avoid probate. Again, as I said before, you could have had on your home in most states, a transfer on death designation that transfers the title of the home to whoever you decide upon your death. The problem with that though, is it's an immediate, here's the house, do with it as you wish type of transfer. So if you were concerned that whoever you were going to leave the house to, let's say it's your daughter, if you were concerned that maybe she might sell it, not get full market value, and be somewhat irresponsible with the proceeds, then leaving it to her via transfer on death would probably not be the way to go. On the other hand, if it was owned by a trust at the time of your death, or if your will said put it in a trust, which is not a good way to do it because you have to go through probate then, but if you had it in the trust before you died, then you can put provisions on how that asset is to be used. So you could actually prevent it from being sold. Or if it is sold, you could have a say, even though you're no longer around, as to how that money gets distributed. Now, hopefully you can see how this was not an issue when the daughter was five years old. But maybe at 35, it is an issue. You see, life changes. And as life changes, so too should your estate plan. I want you to understand that how your assets are titled is a major issue when it comes to your estate plan. You need to understand how are they titled and is there a beneficiary designation assigned to them? And if there is, well, how does it read? And does it read the way you want it to read? Do you want to leave your 25-year-old son your entire net worth if you die tomorrow? Or would you like to put provisions in place whereby he gets the money over time? And that is, in my opinion, the key distinction between when you should have a trust versus a more simple estate plan like a will with transfer on death designations. Now, if you live in a state where the only way to avoid probate is to use a trust, well, then that's something you should consider. More and more, though, probate can be avoided without the use of a trust. There's other ways. And again, some assets never go through a trust unless you put them there. So for example, a 401k or an IRA plan, they're not designed to naturally go through a trust. They're designed to be paid out to whomever you want via the beneficiary designation. But again, the problem is it's one of those deals where you say, here's the money, you decide what to do with it. If you want to put some restrictions on how that money is utilized, well, then you really should consider the use of a trust, at least for a little while. 
All right, let's talk a little bit about beneficiary designations. Now, as I said before, they pretty much decide who gets what if there is such a designation. So if you have a 401k plan, an IRA plan, whatever, they're going to determine who gets the money. It doesn't matter, as I said before, what your will says, they're going to get it. Now, you may decide to leave it all to your kids equally. That's fine. But what happens if one of your heirs passes away before you? Who then gets the money? You need to make sure that's indicated. There can be, especially if you come from a large family, a lot of nuances. Every time one of your heirs either has a child, passes away, gets married, or gets divorced, that would be a great time to at least consider updating your estate plan. Now, when you are updating your plan, one of the best things that comes out of it is you get all your records together. You get organized. So again, if you go to our website, mattsandcapril.com, and you click on podcast, you go to today's podcast, we've provided you with an organizer there that you can utilize to help you get ready. And I would recommend, even if you recently updated your estate plan, you should consider getting this and at least having it, give it to your children, you know, assuming they're responsible enough to know the information. And that way, if something were to happen, it's basically, look, here's everything that you need to know. Here's who to call. Here's all the assets that we have. Here are the account numbers, so forth and so on. They will greatly appreciate not having to dig through all of your stuff to figure it out on their own. I want to talk a little bit now about taxes at death. There was a time not that long ago when almost every one of our clients had a federal estate tax problem at death. And fortunately, over the years now, that has changed to where unless you die with a little over $11 million, you probably don't have a federal estate tax problem. You will probably, though, well, I shouldn't say probably, but you're very likely to have an income tax problem at death if your money, of a lot of it anyway, is in things like IRAs and 401k plans. Because that money, when you die, if it has not come out of the plan yet, it has yet to be taxed. And Uncle Sam wants his cut. Now, currently, there's a, a law that says beneficiaries, when inheriting an IRA or 401k, are allowed to stretch out the withdrawal on that money and pay the tax as they pull the money out. And there's a formula based on their life expectancy as to how much they have to pull out every year. They can take out more, but they have to meet the minimum. That little law is being changed. Well, it's in the process. The president still has to sign it. The Congress, at least in the House, have overwhelmingly voted for it. Currently, you're allowed to stretch that out over the course of your lifetime. The proposed bill, well, it's actually it's more than a proposed bill. There's a bill that's been voted on, hasn't gotten their signature yet. That's going to limit that stretch out to 10 years. So this ability to minimize that tax over the course of maybe 25, 30, 40 years very possibly could go away. So you need to understand that any money that you leave your heirs that's in an IRA or 401k, they will pay tax on that money most likely when they inherit it. Only if they're in an extremely low income tax bracket and they're getting a small amount are they probably going to be able to avoid the tax. So it's not always the greatest inheritance in the world, 
401k or an IRA. Now, if that's all you got, don't worry about it. You know, no such thing really as a bad inheritance. And you're not required to accept an inheritance. But understand that if your goal is to leave your heirs a certain dollar amount, let's say your goal was to leave them $100,000 and you leave them $100,000 in a 401k, well, you haven't left them $100,000. You've left them $100,000 pre-tax. After tax, you might be leaving them something like $80,000 or $70,000, depending on the tax code and how much money they were making anyway, independently of the inheritance. So I hope I've given you some really valid reasons why if you haven't updated your estate plan in the last 5, 10, 15 years or longer, that you do so now. Chances are your life is different. And you know what? Even if you don't need major changes, it's kind of like going to the doctor for a checkup. It's never a bad thing to do. The next question is, well, who do I go see? Well, my advice is that you don't just see any lawyer, but you see a lawyer who works exclusively as an estate planning attorney. Very, very important. If you meet with a general attorney who could be doing real estate law on Monday and divorces on Tuesday and, I don't know, personal injury on Wednesday, you don't want to go see that attorney on Thursday to have your estate plan done. No. Estate planning definitely has a level of complexity. And too often I have seen estate plans done on word processors by attorneys. And as a result, they do not have the level of customization that is needed to do it the right way. Personal bias, do with it as you wish. But, you know, just like in matters of healthcare where it's time to see a specialist, the same can be true, is true when it comes to estate planning. So make sure that when you interview that attorney that you are getting the advice from a specialist. Last thing I want to talk to you a little bit about is cost. I have seen people get very, well, dare I say, cheap when it comes to getting good legal advice. Their thought is, well, I can just do it on LegalZoom. Well, yeah, you can. I'm sure somewhere there's a website that'll teach you how to operate on yourself as well. Look, if you have a very small estate, fine, I get it. But if you have a large state, decent sized estate, you want a competent person there. You want somebody who can navigate you through the process and make sure it's clear. Now, what they charge is gonna vary from lawyer to lawyer, state to state. Certainly you should expect to pay in the multiples of thousands if you have a decent sized estate. But chances are once the major work is done, the maintenance should be minimal. But seriously, This is important stuff. You've worked very hard to accumulate this money. I have seen, as has every attorney, and I'm not one, but I've seen it working with clients, the best of estate plans blow up because they weren't designed properly. And I should say the best, I should mean the best of intended estate plans blow up because they were not designed properly. So keep that in mind. I have also seen people not follow the way their estate plan was drawn up so that when they bought new assets, they didn't title them properly. And as a result, the estate plan didn't work, which is another reason why you want to get it reviewed. How often? Like I said, whenever there's a major change in your life, you should do it. So again, if one of your heirs or your spouse were to die, new child is born, someone gets married, someone gets divorced, you sell a business, you buy more property, those are good reasons to at least make the call to the attorney, your estate planning attorney, 
to find out if there's a need for update. So this concludes another episode of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Again, I want to encourage you to get the downloads. We provide them after almost every episode. They're very important notes that will help you understand a lot of the concepts that are here. Now, again, if you ever want to reach out to me, it's very easy. All you have to do is go to talktodan.net. That's talktodan.net. You can schedule a 15-minute call at your convenience. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about if I can help you. Until then, thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.